0: How's everyone doing tonight doing good uh, How many of you were here last week? Raise your hand yeah that's so awesome you guys are you guys are great uh, you guys survived the the polar vortex, which is awesome. We live in Michigan right it ain't, shouldn't be uh too bit too crazy but it, you know obviously we want to use wisdom and uh it's so good to be in church tonight uh, if you don't know me i 'm daniel I get to lead the nursery preschool here at Res Life and I'm part of the pastoral staff. And every now and again I get to come up here and teach, which I love to do. So it's, uh, it's really good to be with you all tonight. Um, what I really want to do is just come into a, a Bible story and just uh, really just study that and, and teach that in John chapter 9. And I believe that God has a couple things that he wants to share with us or remind us tonight. So John chapter 9 verse 1, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. The Bible says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. So I think it's interesting before we get any further here that the Bible says that as Jesus passed by, it tells us that he was somewhere right before this. It's interesting to note that right before Jesus sees this man or before this man is brought to Jesus' attention, that he was actually in the midst of a group of people who wanted to kill him. Uh, if you read back a little bit in John chapter 8 at the end, you're going to read that you know, there were a group of people that Jesus was teaching. And amongst those group of people, uh, there were some religious leaders and religious people of the law that just had no idea, had a complete disconnection of what Jesus was, of what he was saying. To the point where Jesus ends this conversation and this debate where he says, you know, I am from my father. And if you knew who God was, then you would know who I am. And they say, well, we're from God and we know uh, we're, we're, we're sons of Abraham. And he says, if you were sons of Abraham, then you would not be wanting to kill me right now. And by the way, uh, before Abraham was, I am. And it kind of just sparked this huge uh, thing against Jesus where they picked up stones and they wanted to kill him. And so this is kind of where we pick up this story. The Bible says is that Jesus is passing by. He sees a man who was blind from birth. Point number one that I want you to see in this story is that there is absolutely nothing impossible for God. There is absolutely nothing impossible for God. Uh, you know, we read this and sometimes we kind of skim right over it and we say, "Oh, there's a blind guy," but this man was born from, or he was he was blind from birth. You know, I think if Jesus had an opportunity to cop out, if Jesus had an opportunity to keep walking, to keep passing by, to not stop, he might use this opportunity and say, "Hey, listen, guys." Uh, I just um, got away and kind of escaped from some people wanting to kill me. And uh, maybe if this guy had another problem, maybe if he had some issues with his eyes, or maybe if he had a kind of a different issue that he wasn't born from, then maybe I can do something. But the fact that this man is a man, he's no longer a boy, he's a man, and so therefore he has lived with this for years... Uh, the fact that he is blind, the fact that Jesus is walking by and passing by from something that was difficult tells me that if there was something impossible for Jesus, if Jesus were to cop out on anything, I would think it would be this. I would think he would make an excuse for this. But yet he sees this and he still has compassion. He still has the power. He still has what it takes to be able to come into the situation and do something about it. John 9-2, if you continue reading here, it says, his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, this is interesting because his disciples ask a question, I believe, over 2,000 years later, uh, a lot of people still have. And really what they're asking is this, why, why, is this, why did this happen? Why is it that... You know, there's so much sickness. Why is there evil? Why is there uh, the fact that maybe innocent babies are born with this or that? Or why does this happen? And so it's a question that I believe is still out there. And Jesus continues to say, he says in verse 3, he says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. It's such an interesting uh, response. And I believe you really have to know the heart of Jesus and you got to know the context of Jesus. Because this can be, this can be uh, uh, understood in two different ways. Number one, you understand it at surface level and you say, well, you know, if the, if the parents didn't sin and if he didn't sin, then the answer to why he's born blind is because Jesus needs to perform a miracle. So he needs to put somebody that's sick so that he can do a miracle. And that's like the surface level answer to this question. But I believe, and many theologians believe, that Jesus isn't really directly answering and responding to the question of the disciples. Rather, he's given an answer to the solution. We can say it this way. You know, why is he born blind? Jesus is saying, I am here, and I'm here to heal. I'm here to do the works of God. And Jesus did this so many times. If you, if you were to continue to study Jesus and some of the interactions that he had with different people... With his disciples, with especially the Pharisees, they'd ask him a question and Jesus wouldn't give them a direct answer. For example, with the, with the uh, feeding of the 5,000 uh, men and not including men, uh, women and children, the, the disciples ask him, how are we going to feed all of these, all of these people? And, you know, they're looking for an answer. They're looking for a direct response. And Jesus says, well, what do you have? So it's not necessarily an answer to the question, but it is a solution. It is an answer, but in a question form. And it's kind of deeper than the service level question. Another time, there's a rich young ruler that comes up to him and he says, he says, good teacher, good master, what must I do to inherit uh, eternal life? You know, you're waiting for a response. Or you're waiting for like, you know, if you're, if you're a preacher, if you're in ministry, you're like, man, they just set you up. They just put the golf ball right on the tee. So you're like, hey, this is what you do, A, B, C uh, of salvation. But Jesus, rather than saying that, he says, why do you call me good? Why do you call me a good teacher? And really, I believe that Jesus did this because he wasn't really so concerned about the matters of your head. But rather, he was concerned about the matters of your heart. And so many people, especially in this time when Jesus was around, was they were trying to figure him out. They were trying to figure out what he was doing, who he was, what he was about, and why was he doing what he was doing. And so they asked these direct questions trying to get a direct response. But yet Jesus gives them a deeper answer than what they were even looking for. So I personally believe that Jesus responds by saying, so that the works of God can be manifest, I must work. I must work. Regardless of what you may believe, and we can sit here and debate and argue, you know, what exactly that response means. I do believe that, that what we need to take away from this little dialogue here is that sometimes, you know, I believe in, in terms of healing, which we're going to see in this story, uh, that sometimes I believe Jesus wants our focus not so much to be on why, why is this man born blind? Why is this? Why is that? But so much, not so much on why, but who and what. Jesus is here. Jesus is here and he's here to do something. And he's here to work and manifest the works of God. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. And so he, he asks this question and he gives it a different way. John 9 and 6 and 7, the story continues and it says, When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and he made clay with saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. He said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Here's point number two in this story is it takes faith. Somebody say it takes faith. It takes faith. It takes faith. It takes faith. Uh, you know, this story, is, is, this story is, is of healing, and this story of healing is, is different than all the other stories, most of the stories that we read. Uh, the reason it's different is because when, when you see Jesus healing somebody, you see the other person doing something. You hear somebody crying out to Jesus. Like, for example, uh, the woman with the issue of blood, this flow of blood that was in her body for 12 years. The Bible says that Jesus is walking around. And he's got the multitude, he's got people that are crowded around him and he's walking to do something. And in the midst of him going somewhere, the Bible says that this woman uh, who was in pain, who had this thing for 12 years, crawled on her knees and she said within herself, she says, if I only can just touch the hem of his garment, I can be made whole. She goes in, she goes and pushes her way through, and she touches the hem of his garment. And the moment that she touches him, Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? Right? And you know the story, the disciples are saying, well, everybody's touching you. But he said, no, somebody touched me to the point where virtue, where power came out from me. Somebody touched me with faith. And and it it was such an act of faith, and it's so obvious in the story because, number one, the, the fact that she is sick, the fact that she has this issue of blood... It, it, it makes her and marks her as unclean. So she shouldn't even be around people in the first place. So she's already breaking the rules there. Secondly, she is in, in, the, in the midst of a group of people to where it's so easy to just say, listen, I can probably get to them, I can probably yell to them, but, you know, the, the, the chances of me doing that without bumping people, you know, it's a little, a, little, a little hard. So maybe I just sit here and maybe something else will happen. But So there's, it's obvious that she has faith. And because of her faith, Jesus heals her. And with blind Bartimaeus, uh, the Bible says that he cries out. He hears that Jesus is passing by. And he cries out, Jesus, son of God, son of David, have mercy on me. And as he cries out, everybody's telling him to be quiet. Like, hey, listen, you need to be quiet. We don't do that here. And he cries out even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stops. He turns around. He, so he gets Jesus' attention. Jesus comes to him. He's a blind beggar. And Jesus says this, he says, what do you want me to do? Now on the surface, you're like, man, that's kind of rude. Like, this guy's blind. It's kind of obvious. Like, what do you want me to do? Uh, He's crying out to you, Jesus. He he can't see. He wants to be healed, obviously. But Jesus sets it up to a place to where this man has to respond with faith. And he asks him that I may be able to see. That you may open my eyes. That I may be made whole and healed. Because of that, Jesus has something to work with. He has faith and Jesus is able to do something. So it was one thing for blind Bartimaeus to stop Jesus. It was another thing for blind Bartimaeus to have faith and connect with Jesus so that Jesus can do something. And so we see these kinds of stories. You see the centurion where, where, where he comes up to Jesus and says, my servant is sick and, and, and I need him. And Jesus says, all right, I'll go over there. He says, you don't even need to go. You just send the word and he'll be healed. And Jesus is marveled by his faith. And that same hour he's healed. This story is different just at the beginning when you start reading. Because unlike the other stories where one is crying out or they're fighting their way to get to Jesus. This man is minding his own business. And it's actually the disciples that bring him to the attention of Jesus. Jesus is passing by. Again, he almost gets killed. But... It wasn't his hour, so the Bible says that he escaped from the midst of them, which is a miracle in itself. He's passing by, and as they're walking by, the disciples say, Hey, this guy right here, uh, why is he blind? And so for a second, it's like this guy was not doing anything. He just happened to be in the right place at the right time, and he's going to receive a miracle. But the Bible says that Jesus spat on the ground, he made clay with his saliva. That's that's just amazing. That just goes to show that Jesus can do anything. There's nothing impossible. He anoints his eyes, and you would think that the moment he anoints his eyes, that this guy can see, right? But yet he tells him to do something. He's got spitty dirt on his eyes, and he's listening to this conversation about him, and he's just there, and he's like, you can only imagine what this guy is thinking. You know, he's like, can't see, but he's obviously hearing what's happening. He probably hears Jesus totally spit. Like you can't do that without hearing what's happening. And he grabs that clay now that's made with the dirt. And now this stuff is being placed on his eyes. And you can just only imagine what this guy's thinking. And now he's being told to go do something. Now the theologians, many theologians believe that this pool that, that Jesus asked him to walk to is actually over a half a mile away from where they are. Just think about that for a second. You're this blind man, you have no idea who this guy is. You have no idea what this guy's doing. He's rubbing your eyes and now he's telling you to walk a half a mile from where you are and dip yourself in the pool. Right here is the point where this man had an opportunity. He he had an option. He had a he had a decision to make. And I believe that this man had faith. He had the faith to respond to the word and the command of Jesus. Because the Bible says, if you continue reading, that once he dipped there, the moment he came out, he came out seeing. He came out seeing. It wasn't enough just for Jesus to anoint his eyes. And so uh, part of healing in this story is that the obvious isn't enough for Jesus to do what he has to do. I mean, the blind man, he even asked the blind man, what is it that you want me to do? So the obvious isn't enough. So it's not just that, but it takes, it takes faith. Romans 12.3 says, uh, For I say, though the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. A measure of faith. Everybody has a measure of faith according to what God has given us. But it is up to us what we do with that measure. It is up to us whether we exercise that faith. The Bible says that faith is like a seed. It's like a mustard seed. Uh, The Bible says that uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we have faith, but it's up to us to increase that faith, to grow in that faith through what God is saying, through what Jesus is saying. Um, You know, as some of you here know that I have a a four-year-old son who's going to be five in May. So almost five years ago, he was born with several heart defects. And so this for our family is one of the biggest challenges, one of the biggest things uh, to overcome. And, and, you know, we got to experience healing. Now my son is, is going to be five, like I said, and he's doing great. You look at him and he runs around with his sisters and you wouldn't think that he's had uh, the nine operations that he's had. But in the beginning, this was such a, a big test to us. This was such a big thing for us to, to, to be able to confront. And I, I want to share this with you because I can tell you, you know, I can spend the rest of the night and tell you about that journey. The fact that, you know, he went into cardiac arrest. The fact that his kidneys uh, were, were just totally uh, shot and he was on dialysis just as a, on a week old. His liver was failing. Um, and multiple times they, they, they told us he wasn't going to live. And so they put us in this room and uh, we converted that room into the upper room. I many of you guys know what, we're, what I'm talking about? We, we converted that room into a room where we got with the Holy Spirit, we got with God. And if I can condense that whole story and, you know, talk about healing, talk about faith, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things that we learned, I should say, is that our, our approach to God was not so much, Lord, will you heal him? That wasn't our approach. That wasn't our question. That wasn't even a doubt in our minds. Why? Because we had the faith that Jesus can heal. We believe, and we believe as a church, and I believe personally, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same Jesus that walked around healing people is the same Jesus that heals people today. And so when we approach God, we're like, that is not our question, but Lord, how is it that you would manifest yourself how is it that you would be glorified how is it that you would choose to heal my son and I believe that takes humility because I would like to come up here and tell you that we believe that God would did a creative miracle and the moment we prayed the doctors went and looked and there was nothing there and we were all good he didn't need any surgeries but that wasn't the case for for us that can happen how many of you guys know that that can happen because we serve a miracle-working God. We serve a God that makes ways where there's no ways. But for us, we humbled ourselves and we had to just realize where were we with our faith. And not only that, but this is greater than us. This is greater than what we want. This is something that Jesus can be glorified through. And so what we did is we, we got with God and, and we, we believed that Jesus instructed us to walk alongside the medical team and to believe God for what was needed from them to to be seen so that they can advance in this whole journey of of healing. And so what what would happen is we say, well, what do you need to happen? What do you need to see? Well, we need this and that and this, and this needs to start to work, and that needs to stop. And so we'd go back to the upper room and say, Jesus, we declare this, that, and this. And the doctors would come back and do the rounds and say, you know, this is what's happening. The numbers are starting to drop. And we're like, praise God. And then another another couple of days would go by and then something else would happen. And we're like, what, what do you need to see? And we'd go back up and we'd pray. And then those numbers would start to turn around. And that was our journey for like eight to nine months. And it's so amazing because we look back now and we say, man, we could have been uh, in a way full of pride to say, Jesus... We want you to heal him this way and potentially wouldn't have seen the healing that we have now seen. So what am I saying? I'm saying it takes faith and not just faith but where you are. The faith with the measure that you're at. I believe that God is so good that he would love for everybody to be healed like that. But I believe that he is also so good that he meets you where you're at and he will bring his grace and bring his healing power with the faith that you present to him. Amen. Amen. And so it takes faith. It takes faith. And when you, when you do that, this is what you realize. Jesus heals. That doesn't change. The way he heals, that might be different. With the woman of the issue of blood, she touched him and she was healed. With, with the blind Bartimaeus, he screamed out to him. He asked, he was healed. But with this man, Jesus made mud and clay with spit and dirt and asked him to do something and he was healed. So the fact that the question is not, does Jesus heal? Will he heal? The question is, Jesus, how will you heal? How will you do this? And when you line up and you connect with that with Jesus, then I believe you're going to see results and you're going to see him move. As we continue the story, this amazing miracle happens. This guy starts seeing a man that is born blind gets healed. He does what Jesus asked him to do, comes back seeing. John 9, 18, it says, but the Jews did not believe concerning him. That he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received sight, his sight. Now, let me just pause there. I think that as an adult, anytime you're in trouble and they call your mom and dad, then this theory is business. Like, at least for my mom, I know that if my mom is called because I got in trouble, then I'm gonna get double in trouble because she's getting bothered and she's getting called. Uh, you know, I, could, I remember in school when I get in trouble and I did something dumb. And and they call my mom and she's like, all right, she's acting nice, she's acting professional, but when we get home, oh yeah, I'm gonna get it. Like now, like I'd rather just stay in the principal's office than go home. You know, how many guys know what I'm talking about? So this guy, as an adult, he's in trouble with these guys. Like they're they're saying this this couldn't have happened, and so they're saying, We don't believe you, we're gonna call your parents. They asked his parents, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? Uh, Verse 20, his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we don't know. Or who opened his eyes, we don't know. He is of age, ask him. He's an adult, he's a big guy, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So the reason his parents, you know, it sounds sounds bad, but the reason his parents say, ask him, keep us out, is because they knew that if they got involved, they were going to be kicked out. They were going to be excommunicated and kicked out of the synagogue. And so it's an amazing thing that Jesus just healed this man. But it's almost just as amazing that the Jews, that these guys are totally missing it. And here's point number three. It is possible to miss it even when it's right in front of you. Let me say it this way. It's, imp- it's possible to miss God. It's possible to miss the presence of Jesus even when Jesus is here right in front of us. Something about healing that it, it, is that it's supernatural. It doesn't always line up with our logic. It doesn't always line up with what we think. And even in the faith, we believe in healing. Sometimes it doesn't line up with the way we thought or should it should have happened. And so it, it's, it, it can kind of fester with us. It can kind of bother us because we can't explain it or because it didn't happen according to our plan. And I believe that's what's happening here. And when we look at this story, I believe there's two stories. Number one, and by the way, I titled this Opened Eyes. Because number one, the the, the first story is obvious, that Jesus healed a man that was born blind. That Jesus is a healer. There's nothing impossible for Jesus. And if you were to just have faith, just a little bit of faith, and you were to give that faith to Jesus and and allow him to just use that, then, then our faith is that God would do something, that God would heal you, that God would meet you where you're at. But I believe the other message is this, is that not only did Jesus was involved with a blind man physically, but Jesus was also involved with blind people spiritually. I believe there's a crowd revealed in this story that totally miss it. In this case, they missed God in the healing. But this is the same kind of crowd that misses God in his in Jesus in his teachings and also in other miracles. And it's amazing to me because this is the same group of people that claim to know God so much that if it was reported to them that Jesus or God was moving, that they had the final say if it was indeed God or not. It's the same group of people that devoted their lives to the scriptures and to the law of God. And I want to say this about this people. Perhaps they were so devoted to the things of God that they missed the person and the heart of God. That they missed that this was God right in front of them. They didn't realize that Jesus was right in front of them. They were so concerned about how this happened. How was it that this man was healed, who, by the way, was healed on the Sabbath. And because he was healed on the Sabbath, he broke God's law. And therefore, he can't be from God. It's got to be something else. You know, they came to a place that they were so involved with the things and the matters of God that they missed the heart of God. They were so... They were so uh, attached and so, you know, focused on how this happened that they, they forgot what happened. It's amazing to me that this guy was born blind. He was a beggar. He was blind. And now he sees. And they don't celebrate the fact that he sees. Rather than celebrating that the fact that they see, they say, why is it that you see? Don't you know it's the Sabbath? Like this shouldn't happen. Who, who did this? You don't know who did this? Okay, let's Where's your mom and dad? Is this your son? Why is he seeing? I don't know. Ask him. Well, what's going on here? Who is this guy? Is he a prophet or what is he doing? And why is he doing what he's doing? They are so focused on what, why this happened, and they missed that this there's a miracle. There was a miracle that took place. I wonder, as I was studying this and I, as I was praying about, about this, my my goal for tonight is that you would be inspired and you would be reminded if you are in need of healing that Jesus can heal you. That Jesus can do anything. That he can touch your body and he can touch your mind and he can bring healing and he can bring life right where you're at. But in the same same kind of story, the same message here, I wonder sometimes that we might be in in a place and it's not a place that we intend to be but we actually are that we get to over a matter of time and we don't even attend but we are so fixated on the things of God and the, and the rituals and the traditions and you know all of these different things or just busyness of life that you know there might be something that Jesus is doing right in front of us to where it's possible for us to miss it. It's possible for us to be blinded by the presence in the heart of Jesus. Second Peter 1.9 says this, It says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. And when he talks about these things, he's talking about faith. He's talking about advancing and growing and virtue and love. And he's talking about these things that Jesus has given us. So it is is a possibility. It is something that can happen to us for us to become short-sighted, for, for us to even become blinded to the things of God because we get so busy or maybe we, we, we get used to what's happening. This can happen in church. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You know, you kind of you figure it out. You kind of figure out the structure and the system and what's going on. And this is what's going to happen when I come to church. And we're going to sing a few songs. We're going to do offering. We'll do another song. And then the pastor's going to come up and he's going to preach. And then we're going to pray and we're going to go home. And that is great. But in the midst of it, how many of you guys know that Jesus is moving? And maybe it's not just in church. Maybe it's somewhere else when we go home or when, we, when we're about our busy life. You know, just the other week, you know, I have three kids. The oldest is six. Her name is Evelyn. And, you know, uh, Anna and I, my wife, we, we, we love our children so much. And it's amazing to us how, how much of Jesus is in our children. You know, sometimes we just get in the rut, and sometimes we get in the routine that when it's bedtime, we're ready to have our time. You know, it's like, all right, it's bedtime for our kids, so let's let's hope that they just go to bed, and there's nothing else that's happening so that our bedtime, which is at eight o'clock, doesn't turn into bedtime at nine o'clock, and now we just miss an hour of us time and, and, and relax time, and this is kind of what happened the other week, and you know, Evelyn was was, was was telling us, she was in bed and she was just whining and complaining for a while. And I got frustrated, you know. And I said, Evelyn, you got to go to bed. She says, but I'm scared. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you scared? You know, like what, 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 what did you see or what did you hear? You know, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. But I'm, I'm kind of frustrated and I started to say, I said... I said, Evelyn, you have have no reason to be scared. She's six, by the way, right? I'm over here trying to tell her this. And and I was about to say, this is what I was going to say. I was like, you have no reason to be scared. Do you know why? And I was going to say something. And she interrupted me and she says, because Jesus is here? And I said, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Jesus is here. That's what I was going to say. But I wasn't going to say that. What I was going to say is, you have no reason to be afraid because mom and dad are just down the hallway. So just go to bed. You know, that's, that's what I was going to say. But she interrupted me and she, she reminded me of a little bit of the short-sightedness that I had. Sometimes in my family, sometimes in my wife, sometimes in my kids that, you know, we get in the, the routine, we get in this busyness of what's going on that we miss Jesus in them. We miss the presence of God of, what, of, a, of what's going on around us. And, and sometimes we, we, we want to explain or we want things to just happen. Uh, you know, you want your plans to just go A, B, C, D, E, and then here comes F, and then now Z. And it's like, whoa, what happened to all the other letters? And it kind of mixes you up. But sometimes Jesus does that because Jesus is more concerned with your heart than what you think should happen and the way it should happen. This is a story of two different people, and this is a story of blindness. And when you look at this story and you study it, it's, you, you take away the main thing, which is Jesus healed a man that was born blind, and that's amazing. But you know what's even more sad is that Jesus would rather have these Jews open the eyes of their heart and become enlightened to who he is so that they can have eternal life, And that would have been even a bigger win. You know, that's why Jesus said with the man that was dropped, that was uh, uh, let down from the roof, when he said, you know, what's easier for me to say that his sins are forgiven or to just get up and walk? Jesus forgave this man's sins and it was an amazing thing. But the people around him were like, who are you to forgive this guy? Like, only God can do that. And he says, well, what's easier? So that you know that I have the authority to forgive sins, I'll just tell this guy to get up and walk. So he got up and walked. And they were marveled by the fact that he got up and walked. But Jesus would have rather than marveled that he was able to forgive their sins. Now he has right with God. Now he has, can inherit eternal life. But because they weren't even there, they were blinded to that. He had to bring it down to this level so that where they can see physically that he had the power to do this. And so it is a story of, 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 of blindness. And I wonder... If Jesus is reminding us tonight that G- he is moving and sometimes he is moving in a different way, in a different pace. And he's moving uh, differently than what we would have it. But I believe that if we were to just humble ourselves and to just kind of have a, have a reevaluation of our heart. You know, recently I went to the, to the eye doctor and I got my eyes examined. And you know, I was just kind of like, I, I like to read and when I read a lot, just kind of bothering me. And so it was determined that I'm a little farsighted. I have, I have good eyesight, uh, but I'm a little farsighted. So I got some glasses. So when I read, I, read, I put the glasses on. He also suggested that I, that I uh, put them on at night. By the way, isn't it weird that if you're farsighted, you know, it's not that you can't see far. or you, It's kind of backwards. And so I had to ask him, like, what, is, what does that mean? And so it, it brought me to this scripture. It brought me back to this and say, you know, how many times are we... Far side, or so nearsighted that we can't see what God is doing beyond what I want Him to do. You know, God is doing something greater. And I believe, and I believe Pastor Ryan was talking about this earlier. It's like there is something greater. Like it's amazing when Jesus answers you, but it's more amazing when you see Jesus in the midst of your trial, in the midst of you getting close to Him and allowing Him to do something. You know, I believe that if, 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 if uh, we had the option, for God to give us all the answers, that we would want that. But I believe that it's not that way because if it was that way, then we wouldn't have to seek him and we wouldn't be able to exercise our faith and know him more and more. John 9, 35, as the story concludes, it says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. So these guys didn't get it. They casted him out and they just excommunicated him. And it says, when Jesus found out He said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. I believe that the miraculous and the healing leads us to Jesus, which is the biggest miracle, the greatest miracle. You know, with the story of my son, the biggest thing that I want to share is yes this is this you know it was an amazing thing my son is awesome he's living and he's he's doing great but you know what was also great was that we got to know Jesus more we got to see Jesus we got to experience the love and the grace of God and we got to have this amazing encounter with the lord to where it's it's changed our lives it changed our our hearts it's changed our approach to to life and we see differently not just because God healed my son, but because we got to see Jesus in the midst. We got to see Jesus in the midst. Here's what it says in Hebrews 12, 1. And this is in the message. I love the way it says in the message. It says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. I like that. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. The exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, wherever whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item that long litany of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I believe it's time, never, like never before, to dig in, to seek God, to see Jesus, to see Jesus in the midst of what we're doing, to see Jesus, his presence here at church, not only at church, at home, not only at home, wherever you go, to see that Jesus is moving, Jesus is here and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he lives inside of you and he's ready to do something amazing through you. Do you believe that? Amen, amen. Right where you are, let's go ahead and pray as we conclude service tonight. I don't want to get in trouble, especially because I got to go back to nursery and preschool where I, where I get to minister. And they know if, that I, if I take long, I'm gonna, they, might, they might let me hear it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for, so much for this time, Jesus. Lord, I pray that your word has inspired faith in us tonight. I pray just a simple teaching of, of your scripture, of a story, a Bible story, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, as you said, that it is the foolishness of the gospel that brings salvation to men. Jesus, I pray that for those who need healing in their body, that they just would have this jolt of faith. A man that was born blind, you healed him, Lord Jesus. You gave him instruction. He had faith and you did it. Father, I pray also that as we hear the response to this story with the Pharisees, with the Jews, how... They didn't see you in this, Lord, and sometimes that can be us. Whether it's with what we're believing you for or whether with, it's just the busyness of life and just, you know, what we go through and the days that we live and the weeks go by and the months go by and the next thing you know, we're in a place where we might be nearsighted, short-sighted in our faith. Jesus, I pray that we would humble ourselves tonight and that you would speak to our hearts and that you would open our eyes spiritually, that you would give us perspective, Lord, that you would show us that you're moving, that you're moving right here, right now, and that you're moving even beyond what we are able to see. May we have faith, God, that would please you. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this amazing opportunity, this amazing church, this amazing body, and I pray, Lord, that your presence would be so tangible to us and that we would draw near like never before that we would seek you like never before and that you would use us lord to advance your kingdom in this place in jesus name now before you leave i want to give an opportunity if you would just continue to bow your heads and and close your eyes if there be anybody here who may have have not made that decision to to receive jesus as lord and savior in your life this is to come to a place of faith. This is to say, I don't no longer want to live for myself, but I want to live for Jesus. I want to accept Jesus in my heart. I want to accept Jesus in my life. And I want to surrender all of that tonight. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, would you boldly raise your hand nice and high so that I can just identify, acknowledge you. If you're in this place and you say, I'd like to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. And I want to to receive his life in me. Would you raise your hand nice and high? Is there anybody here that says pray for me? I want to surrender my life to him. Anybody, anybody. This is what it's all about. You know, we're here so we can, if you know Jesus, we're here so we can grow. And we do grow with the word. And the reason we grow is so that we can go and be a light to Jesus. God bless you. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? That's awesome. God bless you for being bold and raising your hand. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray and, and to that person who raised their hand, uh, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus was, was, it was raised from the dead, if you believe and you confess with your mouth that he is the son of God that you will be saved. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to believe in our heart and we're going to confess with our mouth. Everybody else that's here, would you please join me in prayer out loud. And to the person who raised your hand, pray this out loud with us and believe as you pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you tonight just as I am. And I surrender my heart to you. I ask that you come in me. That you would rule and reign. In my life, from this day forward, I serve you. I belong to you. Heaven is my home. Fill me with your life and fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you give it up for that person? That's what it's all about. If it's one person who received Jesus, this is is all worth it. Thank you all so much. God bless you.